When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sensei Hello, my name is Kevin Christie and this is Weekend Bigots. As a journalist with more than 14 years experience, I've decided that the time has come to examine the thorny issue of sectarianism in Scottish football. To gain a deeper understanding, I'm going to interview a variety of people who have been involved in the sharp end of the game in this country. There's nothing wrong with rivalry, we talk about rivalries, that's the best part of football, rivalry. Without rivalry, football's nothing. Later on, I was accused of being a bigot by the news of the world. Historically, Rangers signed, didn't sign Catholic players and everyone just accepted it and got on with it. People just think, oh, it's a Rangers Celtic thing, so west of Scotland. It ain't, it's all over Scotland. In the six-part documentary series, we'll look at the issue from the late 60s and early 70s right through to the present day. This week, we welcome former Grade 1 referee Stuart Dougal. The email came out to see who was doing whichever game, so if you were scheduled about that weekend, and it was an Old Firm weekend or a Hearts-Hibs game, you would look, and if you got it, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I've got that game. And if you didn't get it, you were angry that you never got the game. So it was it was one of these ones, it was a poison chalice. Stuart, a veteran of a dozen Old Firm derbies, will no doubt be able to provide us with a unique bird's-eye view of sectarianism, with 50,000 fans screaming in unison at him. I'll ask him if he really is a mason in the black, and get his thoughts on growing up as a football-mad youngster in the west of Scotland, and why he decided to cross the white line as a referee. I'll also be getting him to compare referee and top Champions League matches with more homegrown fare. It's important to have a referee on the programme, as they are normally prohibited in what they can say when involved in the game. And it's not often we get to hear the voice behind the whistle, on any issue, never mind one as controversial as sectarianism. Hi Stuart, and thanks for agreeing to speak to us today. My pleasure, and thanks for asking me along. So we're just going to ask a bit about your refereeing and the issue of sectarianism, weekend bigots. So we'll start at the very beginning. Just growing up in Glasgow, football mad youngster, I take it. Tell us about your love for the game and the divide, if you like, between Celtic and Rangers and if you noticed it and just your experiences growing up. Well, certainly growing up, I was just outside Glasgow in a wee place called Wisho. And um, quite simply, I loved football. Played morning, noon and night. Never good enough, maybe that's why I ended up being a referee. Didn't like them either, if the truth be known, when I was uh, playing football. But um, so around 70, I was born in 1962, so around uh, 72 to 76, it's fair to say that sectarianism and everything that went with it was quite high in the agenda. 
I was not immune. Uh, and I tell people I'm a Protestant from the west coast of Scotland, so if you think I'm a, a Rangers fan, well, that might be your mistake. But I, I just loved football, loved playing football, and I never, ever dreamed I would be a football referee. And my dad wouldn't let me go. He, he owned a pub and he wouldn't let me go to football at all. So I would go down to Motherwell if I was going to watch anything there or uh, the local junior team, Coltness United. So that's where my first love of football was, but it was playing, not watching, mainly. And how did you get into the refereeing then? Just tell us a bit about that. Okay. Um, and, well, I think it's interesting. I actually broke my back in a, a simple accident and I was about... 18 at the time and I realised that I couldn't go back and play at football, I was playing amateur football and I realised that uh, those days had gone and I had been coaching my local primary school and one of my dad's mates from the pub, he had been a, a top class referee in the 60s, a guy called Joe Kelly and Joe said, what about refereeing? I went, you're, you're having a laugh, there's no way I'd be a referee. Rolling forward after attending the referee classes which was a tremendous insight into the game you know I thought I knew like a lot of guys particularly my age think we know a lot about the game but it's only when you go through the laws of the game and the application interpretation of it you realise that here's the game we love but we don't really know that much about it so I started doing the, the boys games and quite quickly worked my way through into amateur junior and uh, then getting to run the line at the senior games that was the kind of process and doing reserve football at the same time I just want to take you back on something you said were you allowed to go to like I mean I know this from one experience I wasn't allowed to go when Celtic and Rangers visited town my parents were wary of me being allowed to go to that game was that the case with you as well or 100% 100% and you mentioned a very specific time period sort of early to mid 70s where Possibly there's a rise in sectarianism in football. And obviously there's events in Northern Ireland that are starting to take off as well. Can you put your finger on why suddenly things got a bit the ante up, if you like? I'm not, probably not qualified enough. You know, as I said earlier, I was at the kind of Protestant side of things and I'd with many pals. We'd play over the park, you know, as I said, just about every night during the summer and over the weekends. And as people, we never thought anything of it, but it was really only when... You went to, or you saw on television, the Rangers games and Celtic games and the various banners being flown and songs being sung that you realised there's something something a wee bit different going on here compared to me going up the park with all my pals, regardless of what school we went to playing football. Was there any kind of banter between the Catholics and Protestants football-wise or schools fighting that you were aware of? And were you also aware that Catholics didn't really sign for Rangers or was it not really spoken about? I, I didn't know who signed for who. You know, whether it was uh, Protestant signing for Celtic or, or vice versa, we just saw them as, or I certainly saw them as football players. There was never any banter between my pals, you know, whether they were turning up with um, Celtic jerseys or whatever jerseys it was. It was just a case of, we're there to play football, you're my pal. That was it. Maybe it sounds a bit naive looking back, but when you're a wee boy, all you want to do is play football. We'll talk about your refereed 12 Old Firm games, mm-hmm. yeah? Just tell us about your experience of that, the atmosphere, and also how that compared with the Hearts Hibs derby in terms of sectarianism and also possibly abuse that you received refereeing these games. That on the pitch or off the pitch? Both. <laughs> I think the first thing, if I go back to my old firm debut, 
didn't know what to expect other than the fact they're on the line there but you know it's a different ball game when you're the man in the middle and the supervisor uh, referee supervisor actually spoke to me before the game you never knew who your supervisor was but um, things, things were changing and he, he pulled me aside and he said look don't go looking for yellow cards they'll come looking for you so basically he was trying to use a bit of common sense but a man management and within five minutes I've got two yellow cards you know I've got Tommy Boyd and Van Bronckhurst in there and I think I managed to get Darren Jackson as well but uh, that was that was no easy sorry that wasn't a, a difficult thing to do now Henry Glasson with a chance to run at Rangers and he's been floored and that's going to be the second yellow card for the Zolfan derby is it or is uh, Stuart Dougal going to hold back on Van Bronckhurst yeah, I think he's going to join Tom Boyd in the book here. There's no doubt about that. A tackle from behind. And referee Stuart Dougal is laying down the law early. He knows he can't let this fixture get out of hand. Two yellow cards already then. The first old firm game was a 0-0 game. And uh, I thought, well, that, that was actually OK. And it did go OK. Nothing too controversial. Did it fly in? It did fly in. Aye, yep, yep. You know, uh, the week before, doesn't he fly in? But certainly the 90 minutes did. And people say, why do you do it? You know, refereeing generally or the old firm game, it's, it's, the, it's the buzz, it's the challenge, it's the fear. You want to get things right. You will not get everything right in a game. And certainly you don't want to make sure that you get big decisions wrong. Celtic are hanging on to it at the moment. Here's Reaper. Larson. No foul by Perini, says referee Dougal. And Van Bronckhorst is tipped. Is he? No. Stuart Dougal felt that... The Dutchman was making the most of that and he was very perfectly positioned to see as much. Here's Boyd on a rampaging run. Fends off Perini and finds Larson. Larson! Just dragged it wide. Celtic have made a really promising start. But comparing an old firm game with Hearts Hibs, I think the Edinburgh Derbies come out favourably in terms of the passion from the fans. There's no, as far as I'm aware, there's no religious bigotry, but there's great rivalry between the fans and what I found in my time when I was refereeing the Edinburgh derbies, there was a lot more local guys, Scottish guys in particular, playing for Hearts and Hibs. So that brought a wee bit more passion to the game, I think. Do you hear any of the shouts when you're refereeing? Celtic Rangers, are impossible? Is it just a wall of noise? Absolute wall of noise. You can't, it's nothing, even if it's meant to be personal, you can't take it. Some of the singing you get, you know, obviously the Celtic fans used to be singing Who's the Mason in the Black, but I, I always thought it was Who's Amazing in the Black that they were singing at me, but not many people agreed with that. But uh, no, it's a wall of sound, generally. What's the ritual the night before? I take it you didn't get much sleep or...? <laughs> Yeah, I think as you get older, you know, you get a bit more experienced and found sleeping before it, you know, the night before was fine. It was actually just, uh, I was speaking to people not that long ago and I said that uh, in the Monday morning you used to get the, the email come out to see who was doing whichever game. So if you were scheduled to about that weekend and it was an old firm weekend or a Hearts-Hibs game, you would look and if you got it, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I've got that game. And if you didn't get it, you were angry that you never got the game. So it was it was one of these ones, it was a poison chalice. You know, you want it, but when you get it, you're like, geez, this is going to be a tough week and hopefully the game goes OK. And does every ref want it or is there some refs that would be like, no, I don't fancy that? I don't know about other refs, but certainly I wanted it every week and I know most of my colleagues we were vying for it, you know, and again, the era I was refereeing in, um, you know, ranged from the kind of Willie Young, Hugh Dallas, Kenny Clark, John Robotham, Dougie McDonald, latterly, you know, and, and before that, guys like Kenny Hope and a lot of characters, you know, so we were always looking for those games. 
Now, we spoke a little bit touching on the, the subject of weekend bigots. And these are the guys that, as it says, they'll go along, they'll have too much to drink, probably get involved in the singing. And is that something you recognise growing up in the west of Scotland and, and in the football, these, these sort of characters? Absolutely. I said earlier that my dad had a pub and in that pub were uh, Rangers fans, Celtic fans and many other football fans like Motherwell, etc. Because we were in Lanarkshire and yeah, a 90 minute bigot is the kind of way I would have referred to them. And if obviously people don't realise that most referees have got a job out with refereeing. So I would be going to work with guys who were going to the Rangers end or the Celtic end and would be shouting at each other, not personally, but, you know, towards the opposing fans. But when they meet up on a Monday morning, absolutely no problem. And in terms of personal abuse, did that ever creep into your workplace or did you get much of that? We'll talk about the incident with Charlie Mulgrew and Kyle Lafferty, which is the, when you've sent off Charlie Mulgrew. He's late there on Mulgrew, Kyle Lafferty, who then goes down. Well, it didn't look like there was anything in that between Mulgrew and Lafferty. Nothing. Well, that's unbelievable. Referee's over and he's sent Mulgrew off. Well, that's astonishing. Mulgrew walks. 17 minutes played. We can discuss that, but just in terms of abuse that you received, was it bad at any point? Or? No, I think most of the abuse that most referees get would be during the 90 minutes. You might get the occasional shout, you know, when you're leaving the ground, but maybe I was just lucky. But I'd never really get too much hassle. And in the main, particularly through business, when you'd be chatting to people, they'd be more interested in why you wanted to be a referee. Gee, I couldn't do that kind of thing they would be saying to you. So I think there's an underlying respect for the job that the referee does, maybe not necessarily the person that's doing it. But no, I'm glad to say that there's hardly any issues whatsoever that I, was, that I can remember anyway. Would it be something that maybe be in the back of referees' minds now? I mean, just with the prevalence of social media and the sort of cyberbullying that goes on, but was it ever something you thought about personal safety? Not really. You wouldn't be stupid. I like a glass of wine, I like a beer, but I never frequented pubs. You've got to use a wee bit of common sense. But you've touched on a good point. We're lucky that the social media was more or less just starting mm. as I was finishing refereeing. But I certainly know that my colleagues, you know, are, are my ex-colleagues who are currently refereeing are just finished they got it a wee bit more and, and then but so are the football players and you know it's very well documented how you've got the uh, the guys hiding behind the keyboard so just talk about the famous incident which wasn't long I think you had one game after it was it at Pitordry, is that right uh, no it was Ibrox Ibrox yeah. yeah just talk us through what happened from that and in terms of fallout I mean I, I remember the incident but just okay it was uh, an important game, second last game of the season, and uh, I think from every Rangers were just uh, a point in front of Celtic, and there was an incident far side, and a lot of people thought it was my assistant referee that called it wrongly, but it was me that called it wrongly, and nothing would convince me until I'd seen television that it was a headbutt. About five, ten minutes later, my assistant did give me a flag to send a Rangers player off for something that I thought was a yellow card challenge towards the goalkeeper. He had actually seen Baguera going in towards the goalkeeper and from his angle it looked as if his foot had made contact with the goalkeeper's head and it hadn't and I'd fortunately had the better angle there but he was closer to the incident and he was absolutely certain the same way as I had been with the, the, the Mulgrew-Lafferty situation. I sent off Baguera about 10 minutes later and I think some people thought I was just levelling up 
And but as we say to referees, you know, if you make one mistake in a game, don't make two. So people think you level things up to to balance it out, but that's the last thing you should do. So anyway, game finished, and I still wasn't aware that there'd been anything untoward. And then Charlie McGrew asked to see me after the game, and he came in and. You know, he was pleading his innocence and I said, as we would normally say to the players, well, look, I'll review it and if I've got it wrong, I'll apologise now because I'll obviously not see you again, but I'll rescind it. And I was prepared to do that. And obviously I did rescind that red card, but what caused a lot of the problems there was that I also had to rescind Bagheera's red card and that cleared him to play in the last game of the season against Indy United. I think a number of Celtic fans <laughs> thought that I was doing Rangers a turn by rescinding his red card, and that caused a wee bit of publicity, shall we say. Were you getting labelled like a Rangers man? and yeah, yeah, the, 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 the usual stuff, what is it, Mason in the black? and it ties, yeah. Yes, yes. But, that, you know, that's the kind of thing that's gone over the years, and, you, you know, obviously we're here kind of touching sectarianism and or, or just a kind of perceived bias, but I do think that, you know, it has been seen that referees were in the main Rangers fans and I can assure the listeners that yep there'll be some Rangers fans in amongst the refereeing fraternity but trust me there are Celtic fans Aberdeen fans Motherwell fans and other wee story just on that one Kevin if you don't mind is that I remember getting a taxi in to work one morning and the taxi driver was a Rangers fan and nothing could convince him that the referees hadn't been got at by the SFA to stop Rangers getting 10 in a row when obviously they'd get 9 and uh, they should have get 10 and stumbled in the last couple of games and there was nothing that I could do to convince this guy that no because if there'd been any agenda I would have been part of that given I'd been one of the top referees at the time but uh, there was no convincing a Rangers fan that 10 in a row was was mainly I suppose well I grew up a hip supporter and, and there is that mason in the black thing where do you think it comes from I mean Referees seen as establishment figures, I suppose. I think back in the day, you know, that might have been the case. Uh, the same way as it was always seen as that the police, you wouldn't get at the police unless you were a Rory in the west coast of Scotland. I think that one's been hitting the head now as well. So, yeah, what happened back in the day certainly didn't affect or shouldn't affect the referees, especially at the moment. You know, I don't think that that, that same thing is levelled at. Maybe it did help that Rangers were out of the league for a few years because it brought a bit of perspective back, I think. Do you think sectarianism's as big a problem as, as it's been made out and do you think there was a time where it was worse than ever and also on top of that just what do you think needs to be done in terms of education um, around well certainly sectarianism and, and the, the issue of racism I think it's too big for me to address you know at the end of the day I was a referee I work in business what do I see in Scotland you know it's a very diverse sector that I'm operating in and I don't you know, my wife's a, a school teacher, and I, I, we're not aware of sectarianism. But yeah, go to Ibrooks on a Saturday, or go to Parkhead Saturday, Sunday, and there'll be an element that just enjoys singing the songs. But I don't think there's the same hatred behind it. I think there's more acceptance in society generally now. Would you have liked to have a VAR? <laughs> Um, I think for the Charlie McGrew incident, yes, absolutely, <laughs> because I do think for the easy decisions, VAR is brilliant, but. I did say to a number of people who were saying, we must get VAR, I said, be careful what you wish for, because, the, as I say, the easy decisions are fine, but when you're now getting ruled offside by your toenail or your nose or any other part of the body that you can score a goal with, 
and the time it's taking to analyse it, I think we're losing something. You know, we can go back to the cup final last week where Celtic got a goal that I think most people would say, now looking at it, was offside. Obviously, if you're a Rangers fan, you would like VAR to come in for that one. And it, I think that would have been quite clear once it was analysed. But I just like football in the raw, and I think most people do. So, uh, no, I don't want VAR. OK, thanks very much, Stuart. That was very frank and open, and we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Next week, former Scotland manager Craig Brown talks candidly about what it's like to be in the media spotlight, labelled a bigot by the now-defunct News of the World. I knew no better when I went to a Rangers match early after I'd signed and I put on my umbrella to walk from the Albion car park to the stadium. It was pouring and there was some green in my umbrella and I didn't realise that. And the guy grabbed it and threw it in the ground. What are you doing with that green umbrella? You can download Weekend Bigots wherever you listen to your podcasts. But for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the NTL app for iOS and Android. If you like what you heard, please rate and review Weekend Bigots and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for the Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following us on social media. On Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, and Instagram by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts.